Hallelujah. Well, God's good. Amen. We have, uh, or at least I have, let's put it this way, uh, I was kind of on a little bit of a mandate, uh, uh, at least for, I don't know how long, but I don't know for at least for the first part of the year. Um, I'm going to be talking about some of our patriarchs of faith, and, and in fact, let's put that uh, 1 Corinthians verse up there, um, kind of maybe a kind of a kickoff verse for it, but uh, now all these things happened to them, of course, talking about the children of Israel, uh, as examples and they were written for our admonition or teaching, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Amen. So, uh, you know, the thing to understand is that, um, you know, we're new covenant people, but we, there's a lot of things in that old covenant we can glean and learn from. Amen. And, uh, uh, and part of that is just, uh, you know, looking at our patriarchs of faith. Uh, scriptures call, uh, you know, in Hebrews 11, our, uh, you know, their patriarchs of faith, uh, Scripture talks about, you know, uh, you know a, a cloud of witnesses, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, Scripture's in Hebrews, multiple places in Hebrews, and uh, I believe Colossians also says it. But uh, it talks about a lot of the stuff that happens in the Old Covenant are types and shadows of things to come. So we can go back and we can take, take uh, you know, interest in what, what happened in their lives and glean from it. Amen? Learn from it. Uh, the do's, the don'ts, the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, there's a lot of stuff that happened back there. Uh, you learn from it and say, you know, I'm not going there. I ain't going down that road, right? But then there's other things that they've done that, that you know, are, are great examples to us. Amen. And so uh, the person that I started with and, and still working on is da- uh, David. Uh, you know, we'll probably over the, you know, the year here bring out people like Abraham, Daniel, you know, people like that. But uh, I just knew in my heart I need to start with David. Probably the reason being is probably, probably be honest, he's probably one of my heroes. So, uh, you know, at least a lot of cool things about David that I enjoy. And, and uh, so anyway, so we're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 13, if you'll go there again. Acts 13. Y'all doing good tonight? Yeah. Got a little white on out, out there uh, yesterday, and of course it didn't take long and it was all gone. But I, I'm already ready for spring. I don't know about you guys, but... I'm kind of like, you know, I'm done with it. You know, I'm kind of like, let's time to get out on the bike and ride. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's get back spiritual here. Amen. Acts 13, please. Um, uh, I probably read a little bit more of this before. We're going to just verse 21. This is Paul talking uh, at Antioch. Um, and in the midst of his teaching, he, he brings up some things uh, about the children of Israel, talking about uh, Saul and David and and, uh, and he says in verse 21, and afterward they asked for a king, talking about Israel, they asked for a king. And I mean, remember, that he, really, God said, you don't need a king. You know, the Lord said, I'll be your king. I'm your king. You know, well, and, uh, but uh, they insisted, they wanted to be like other nations. And even though he gave warning that that really wasn't his, his perfect will for them, they insisted on it. And of course, he said, oh, fine, so we'll, we'll, we'll get you a king that you like and, you know, one that, uh, you know, is like other countries. So Saul kind of fit that mold. And said, so afterward, they asked for a king. And so God gave him Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. All right? That's how it started. But afterward, uh, pardon me, but verse 22, and when he had removed him. So uh, he was removed. Uh, now, how many know that he, uh, he didn't follow God with a whole heart? Right? But there was somebody... 
that was out there that, had, that was after God's heart, right? Had a heart after his heart. And uh, so it says, when he had removed him, talking about Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, a man after my own heart. And I think that's kind of what we, we talked about a little bit last week, talked about uh, heart after God and uh, talked about this man's passion uh, to do the will of God. Um, and it says here, a man after my own heart who will do all my will, who will do all my will. So a man after, in other words, in pursuit uh, of, of my heart, who will do, which means to uh, you know, fulfill, abide, yield, or commit to. And it also means to execute without delay or without hesitation. So who will do all my will, which that word there then refers to you know, his, God's pleasure or purpose or determination. And the bottom line is, is to have a will willing you know, to follow his will, right? Or a, be willing to, to uh, have your purpose. And that's kind of where we might go with some of this today. Your purpose uh, to be after his purpose. Isn't that kind of the, the key? Because I think when we get off is when it's all about our purpose and all about, and don't get me wrong, God's given us all purpose, right? Given us all, uh, you know, uh, a call, a gift, purpose, you know, uh, you know direction. And, uh, you know, but the, 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 the problem when we get off sometimes when, when our purpose or our, our will gets disconnected from His. Now, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. All right, are you with me? So, uh, so David had a heart after God. Now, we know that he made mistakes. We talked about some of his mistakes last, last time we spoke. And uh, so he did make mistakes. He didn't, you know, there was a couple times he kind of forgot about who he was, you know. And, of course, he, you know, he repented. And that's kind of what we talked about last week is that we learned some things about being quick to forgive and quick to repent. Amen. And uh, to me, it's, as a Christian, that ought to be a, a, a huge thing for you and me because, we don't always do everything right. I mean, I think as a, as a child of God, our heart is to do everything right. Um, but sometimes, you know, our you know, little things get in the way. It could be, you know, you get busy or it could be just our attitude or, you know, whatever. All kinds of things we can kind of talk about. But and the bottom line is sometimes we kind of forget for a second who we are. And the next thing you know, we're, you know, we kind of cross a line, you know. And, uh, but but when, you, when, you, when you recognize that. You know, God's not there to condemn you and beat you down. God wants you to just recognize it and make a change. That's why be quick to repent means to stop, turn, and go the other direction. You know, if you find out you're on the wrong road, well, get off that road. Don't just keep going down it, you know. Get off it, right? And that's to be quick to repent, amen, but you also got to be quick to forgive because not only are you vulnerable to make mistakes, but so is that person around you, some of those people around you. Now, we're not excusing sin, we're not justifying or making excuses for it, but you know as well as I do, we've all made mistakes, and, and the people around us have made mistakes, and I think to, to be successful as a Christian, um, you know, David kind of showed some of that. You know, Saul was out to kill him, made it known, I'm going to kill you. But somehow or another, he could somehow overlook all that and still love him, still forgive him. Come on, somebody. And even though he had multiple times where he could have killed him, 
took him out, even though he was prodded by, by his brethren to kill him, he wouldn't do it. There was just something in him that said, I ain't going to touch God's anointed, even though the anointing had obviously left the man by that time. Come on, somebody. But he made a decision. That's not how I, I'm, I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to take the throne uh, by force. God's promised it to me. I'll, I'll let God handle that. Let God take care of that. Amen. Now, you and me, we got, you know, things to do, things uh, to, to fulfill. We've got places to go. We've got uh, a will to fulfill. We've got, a, uh, we've got giftings to fulfill. We've got uh, a, a ministries to, uh, to see come to pass and come into fruition. And uh, in order for those kind of things to happen in our life, those are things that got to be, be working in us. If you ain't quick to forgive, it's going to be a long hoe, boo. I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be long. It's going to be hard. I mean, it's going to be miserable. And if you're not going to be quick to repent when you make a wrong turn, uh, you're going to always be on the wrong road. And that ain't going to get you anywhere. Are you still with me? Yes. Now, enough of that. Let's get on to what, he want, what we want to do today. Um, so, he was a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Let's go to verse, uh, well, no, I'll tell you what. Um, verse 30, 23, I think I put that one in this time. And I thought this was interesting. Uh, he said, from this man's seed, talking about from David, okay, uh, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior. And just in case you didn't know who that was, he puts his name here. Now, just the point, I think, that to recognize is that, okay, David was, the reason that David was a man after God's own heart, because of his willingness to connect his will with God's will, to make God's will his will, I can maybe say it that way, right? Now, did not Jesus, and that would happen with him? Not my will, but your will be done. Amen. I might even give a few references on this. I had John 6 or something like that. Maybe just real quick, we'll just throw those up. Kathy, let's put that one, John 6. This was Jesus talking, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, aren't you glad for that? That was real weak. Aren't you glad for that? That he, that he fulfilled the will of God. Because if he wouldn't have, we'd probably all be in trouble right now. How about chapter 5? Let's do another one. I just grabbed a few of these because uh, there's multiple uh, throughout, especially through the Gospel of John. Uh, I can't of myself do nothing. This is Jesus again talking. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. In other words, right because I'm, 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 I'm hearing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing because I hear God, right? Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of, of the Father who sent me. Now, is there anybody else in the room after the will of God? Yeah. That was, okay, about half of you. Let's maybe one more time just to give you a moment to think about it. Uh, how many would like to answer the right answer on that one? What would be the answer? Yeah. There we go. Thank you very much. Praise God. Uh, but, you know, sometimes that is in question, right? Sometimes we, we have the question, do I really want to do the will of God at the moment? No, I'd rather punch him. Come on. We'd come up with all kinds of things. You know, I'd rather say something or I'd rather, you know, have an attitude or I'd rather, uh, you know, I'd rather operate out of doubt instead of believing right now or, or whatever. I mean, we can go on and on and on all kinds of things. But uh, he says, because I seek, you know, look at this, I do not seek my own will, but what? I'm seeking the will of what? The Father, right, who sent me, right? Uh, let's do one more. Let's do the John, one out of John 4. This was Jesus talking. Um, uh, he's he's been ministering to the woman at the well. The boy's going to town to get, 
you know, to take care of business. They come back, and uh, um, Jesus makes a statement to them because, you know, they kind of start questioning what's going on here, you know. And he said, well, my food is to, to do, in other words, my food or my nourishment or my, it literally means my sustenance, okay. Now, get a hold of this. My sustenance is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, that's the same with you and me. Okay, because in all honesty, true sustenance, okay, true nourishment, true sustenance for you and me to operate, to function, to fulfill what we're called to fulfill has got to be like this. Our sustenance is to do and to finish what he sent us to do and finish. That's the facts, okay? Otherwise, you live unfulfilled. I mean, you're chasing stuff that... You know, uh, you know that uh, you know it just consumes you, and then pretty soon you you still you get this and you get that, and realize you're still unfulfilled. Come on, that's why you got people they could have everything and still kill themselves because they were unfulfilled, right? Because they never they never sought the purpose, their true purpose, which was Amen to connect their will with the will of the Father, Amen. Because that's where your true that's where true uh, sustenance is, Amen. Amen. All right. All right. That was weak, but we'll, we'll get there. All right. So let's uh, go back to the book of Acts now. Now we'll go to that uh, verse. I think it's like verse 36. Is that right, uh, Kathy? I think that's right. Uh, Acts, same chapter there, 13. Now this is talking about David again. It said, for David, after he had served his own generation. Now look at this, by the will of God, right? And then after that, you know, it said that he fell asleep. And, you know, of course, he died, went on, right? But it said that while he was here... What he did now, now remember, this is a man after God's own heart. Don't, we don't want to overcomplicate it. It's just, he just, there was, he, he went down in history. That, that's part of his, that's part of the notation on David's life. The asterisk right there on his life that says, this man here was a man after God's own heart. Well, I thought David messed up. Well, he did mess up. He had some, he had some things that, that he, wasn't, he probably didn't go down very proud about. He, he actually, to be honest, he, really, he wasn't even that good of a dad. He, he kind of, you know, had some, you know, he just, his parenting skills just weren't the best. He didn't do everything perfect, you know, and he had a little bit of internal conflict with the family and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, so the, well, he didn't do everything right. But the boy had, he had some things right. That boy had passion. Amen. That boy had drive. That boy wanted to follow God. That boy wasn't afraid of nothing. Come on, somebody. There were just things about him, right? Come on now. And God said, he's a man after my own heart. Amen. Well, part of that is right here. He was willing to serve his own generation. All right? Now, we've touched on this uh, multiple times through the course of of the years here, uh, I bet you at least once a year I'm going to pull up this text and we're going to minister on it because uh, that's it's really what it's about. We're here on planet Earth to make a difference. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. We are here on planet Earth to make a difference. Amen. We are. We are. And we may think, well, you know, I don't, I, I, who am I? I can't, well, we're going to talk about all that. But we are here to make a difference. David recognized that he was here to make a difference. 
Amen. And he knew he's here for a purpose. And part of that purpose is serving the generation that he's in. He served his generation. Amen. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't so high-minded that he, he was beyond it. He, he, he wasn't so uh, low-minded that he, he avoided it. Amen. He, amen. He knew he was here for a reason. All right? All right. And so are you. And these are things you can learn from this man. Amen. So he learned how to serve his own generation. Praise God. Do you know um, one of the things that happened with, uh, with Abraham, for instance? Um, you know, the Word says that God chose Abraham uh, you know, did the whole covenant thing with, with, with Father Abraham. It said, why was it? It was because of his, he knew that he would pass it on to the next generation. That's the, that was the criteria that God had to connect with Abraham and not anybody else at that time was because of his willingness. He hadn't even had kids yet. He hadn't even had kids yet. Now, that ought to tell you something. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to answer that here in a minute. But, but, I mean, he didn't even have kids yet, and God already knew that that was a man who would pass it on to the next generation. So, who wants a heart after God? All right, let's try that one more. Who wants a heart after God? Well, then, this is one of those things that's going to have to be uh, plugged in here. Amen. You can't all be about yourself you got to be willing to serve your own generation, all right? So let's look at this a little bit. So let's go back uh, to, uh, I think we'll, do, we'll just jump into 1 Samuel chapter 13. Again, we're, I know we might have touched on this verse once or twice, but it's just, it just pays to read it. Here's, a, here's what it says out of, you know, is why, why uh, Paul quoted this in the book of Acts. Uh, so 1 Samuel 13, verse, uh, I think I gave... Uh, I might have gave both 13 and 14. Is that what I did, Kathy? Okay, there it is. All right, so verse 13, and, and Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. Of course, this is that whole scenario, you know, where Saul, your, your, your days are done here. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established uh, uh, your kingdom over Israel forever. And so, but now, see, in other words, it, it would have been a, this would have, you know, you would have, you could have gone down in history as a great man, but you chose to not follow God. But now your kingdom shall not continue. In other words, you're, it's done. You're, I mean, we're not even going to pass this on to your kids. Okay, this is done. All right. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. Amen. And the Lord has commanded him, come on now. To be now, nobody even knows who he is yet. But he's a man after God's own heart, and it says that the Lord has already put in him right uh, to be a commander or a captain over his people. In other words, serve his generation. Come on now, and it says because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. In other words, there's a man that's going to take your place, who has already a man after God's heart, who is already been told by God somehow or another, placed in this man that he will be a commander or a captain over God's people. So something's already burning in him. Come on, son. Now, this ain't, we'd only have, uh, you know, up to this time, you know, let's see here. What, well, you know, let's go to maybe uh, chapter 16. Let's do that. 
uh, verse 7, I think is what I put up there. Uh, now, remember, this is when, again, remember, we're, we're just kind of taking it slow here, but this is when now the, uh, uh, Samuel has gone now to Jesse's house because he was instructed by the Lord to go to Jesse. So this, this man hasn't even been anointed yet. I mean, even the prophet don't even know who he's talking about. God says, I've already got a guy that's got a heart after me who's already got in him, amen, the knowing that he's called the captain, amen, my people. Hallelujah. And at this time, what is he? Just, he's just a teenager. Hmm. But God already knows this stuff. How does God know this stuff? Well, let's see. So the Lord said to Samuel, because he's already looking at everybody else, thinking one of the, you know, these other brothers, he looked a little more, you know, this guy here's got shoulders out to here. He's got to be the guy, right? No, no. Well, this guy here, man, he's a handsome fella, standing pretty tall. That's got to be him. No, it ain't him either. Well, this guy here, man, I mean, this guy can blow bubbles with his bubble gum. This guy, he's got to be good. <laughs> Just see if you're listening. All right because I don't think there was anybody who was chewing gum. But anyway, uh, but he says God doesn't look at a man's appearance, does he, at his physical stature, because uh, I have refused him, talking about this other one, other brother, for the Lord does not see as man sees. Praise the Lord. For man looks at an outward appearance, but God looks at what? The heart, because everything's about the heart, the core, the center. See, it's not talking about the blood pump. It's talking about the core, the center. Amen, because everything comes out of the heart, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, we speak out of our heart. Uh, you know, the issues of life come out of our heart. Uh, the word G Jesus said, even, uh, he said, even uh, evil thoughts and adulteries all come out based on, and he goes on, a whole ugly list. I mean, we see in Matthew 15, and I believe it's uh, Mark 7 also, we see the same similar list. He says, all comes out of the heart of man. So the good, the bad, and the ugly, they all come out of the heart of man. And, God, and you might be in here saying, well, man, I don't think my heart's any good. Man, I'm in trouble. No, no, that's why he says, you know, that's why David knew, amen, and this is probably why he had a good heart, is because there were moments he had to say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. And obviously, it must, he must have prayed something right. And obviously... God fulfilled it. And obviously, the boy goes down in history. Now, this wasn't, you know, uh, the reason we had to read both these texts out of 1 Samuel uh, 13 and also uh, the uh, chapter or 13 of Acts um, is because God, even though he said that about him in, in the old covenant, God still thought that about him way down the road. We have to know that because like, later on, he could have said, well, his heart used to be with me, and it ain't no more. Because that's what he said about his son. Right? Right? He didn't maintain a heart after me like his father David did. Well, David screwed up. Man, that boy, I mean, adultery and, oh, my gosh, and murder. I mean, you can't get it. You can't, you can't call it anything but murder. That's murder. Having that man sent to the front lines and then everybody retreat and leave him all alone. That's what you call murder. And somehow or another, this boy repents, gets his heart right, and he still goes down in history as a man after my own heart. And you think, 
Oh, my goodness. Now, you and me might look at that guy and go, I don't think so. But somehow or another, he kept things right. Amen. Are you still with me? So, I mean, that's hope for you and me. I mean, if God do it for some, you know, one of our patriarchs of faith in the old covenant, my goodness, based on the blood of Jesus in the new covenant, we ought to be able to pull on that and draw on that too. Come on, somebody. So the point I'm trying to make right there, I thought we'd just kind of throw that little thing in there, is that there's still hope for you. Amen. Smile, rebate your name and say, praise the Lord. So we're not here to make anybody feel like, they, you know, this, we all got, you got great hope. We might say, man, I, I kind of struggle with this. Well, praise the Lord. Let's get a change. Let's get off that road. Get on another one, right? Right? Okay, so let's look about this thing about, about serving a generation here. Uh, because uh, uh, that's what he did, you know. And so, God, obviously, God saw in this man's heart that he was one that would do this, okay? Uh, so we're going to stay in 1 Samuel. We're going to chapter uh, 22, I believe it is, 22. A lot of folks remember this, the cave of Adullam. Remember that? Remember that, cave of Adullam? All right, um, let's see here. Verse, uh, let's go ahead and read. We'll just read through it, and we'll come back. Every David, therefore, departed. This is, of course, after, you know, uh, Saul's been trying to kill him now. Saul's still chasing after him, all this kind of stuff. And so Dave kind of, you know, is kind of a little bit in hiding here, and he's got people following him. It's kind of hard to hide when you got, you know, 400-plus following you. <laughs> you know, he's probably thinking, listen, every time I get away from you guys, you follow me. And somebody's trying to kill me, and i got to keep hidden. You guys keep following me. You keep following me, everybody's going to know where I'm at. Now, whatever. But anyway, you think, you know, right? You think he just, you know, at the night he'd get up and sneak off from everybody else, right? Anyway, okay, whatever. You get your own thought. But anyway, uh, it's just, you know, here he is. So yeah, they departed from their escape and came to the gave, cave of Adullam, all right? So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down, uh, down there to him. So everybody's following after him, right? Uh, and everyone who was in distress, oh my gosh, what a crew, everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. I've been there. Hallelujah. It <laughs> says so, so somewhere along the line we fit that, you know. <laughs> so they all gathered to him, and it says, so he became, oh my God, he became what God said he would do. He captained over them. Now he, so he became, so he became, see, he, he had the choice. They all came looking at him like, what do we do now? I mean, this isn't, this isn't what you call, the, you know, this wasn't like, you know, you know, the high society and everybody had their ducks in a row and their beavers in a row, and uh, right? I mean, these are people that had issues and problems. Okay, well, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but all right. So he became captain over them, and there were about... 400 men with him. That's a pretty good-sized crew. So we don't know how much total, but we know 400 men. Now, we know out of this group, uh, he turned uh, many of them in what he called, they, they referred to as the mighty men of David that everybody feared. Everybody wanted this army on their side. Now, right now, you'd look at them and go, ain't nobody wants this group. I mean, that, that's probably why... You know, I don't know, maybe even Saul, just who cares if that group goes? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, how do, how do 400 plus sneak out of town without being noticed? I'm just saying, you know, I mean, yeah, kind of crazy thoughts, but, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking about it. So what do you, you know, 
So nobody else wanted to be around him. So they all hang out with him. And the word says he, what? He became captain over them, right? Let's see what it says. The verse 3, it says, Then David went to, from there to uh, Mizpah to, uh, of Moab, and he said to the king Moab, Please let my father and mother, okay, blah, 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 uh, until I know what God will do for me. Okay, so anyway, he you know, makes sure taking care of his parents, that kind of thing. But anyway, uh, the point is, okay, this whole crew, even some of his family, that's amazing to me, uh, hooked up with him. Okay, now let's, let's back up and take a look at this because, you know, how, how does this relate to us? Um, because, um, you know, we're called to serve our generation. But how many know we don't always get, you know, get to pick who's on our team? And I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about anything. Um, you know, it could be work. It could be, uh, it could be church, obviously. It could be outreach. It could be, um, you know, Family, um, yeah, it's got to be in there somehow. And uh, we don't necessarily get to pick uh, who we want on our team. You start doing that, then we're in trouble. And I know you're all the best. I picked you anyway. <laughs> it's like, what do you do? Well, you serve your generation. And, you know, not everybody's got, like I said, got all their ducks in a row. Not everybody uh, knows the right answers. Some people do some things really good and some things really bad. I, I, it's none of you guys. So. You guys are all good. But I'm just saying, you know, so, so sometimes there's all kinds of things. Now, just the, the reason I'm bringing this up because, you know, that was, David wasn't promised the cream of the crop. He had already settled it. I'm going to serve my generation. He already settled. It was already in his heart. And that's why God saw that. Just like he saw it in Abraham, the man that would pass it on to the next generation. He already saw it before he even had. He already saw that in him. He saw that in David. And obviously it was true. Obviously it was true. So he didn't get to pick who he was going to have on his team. But, I, but he made that a fierce army. Boy, he knew how to take them and make something out of them. That, that's like that word of victory, church. <laughs> right? Okay, whatever. I take his, I'll take it personal then if you don't want to, but I will. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter what we're, what we're dealing with, who we're dealing with. Sometimes we do outreaches, and we're not necessarily promised that it's always going to be everybody that does everything right, says everything right, acts the right way all the time. So what do you do with them? Well, you kick them out the door. No. And what we do, we serve this generation because this is who we got. This, this is our generation. I think one of the reasons I, I love my president right now uh, um, is because I, I think that's the way he looks at things. Now, I'm just maybe, maybe I'm you know, not trying to be political. I'm just saying I just kind of like his gutsy. <laughs> but he's always thinking about, you know, change a nation. <laughs> Nobody likes you. I don't care. 
You're doing it wrong. I don't care. I'm changing our nation. Hallelujah. Right? I think that's the way David was. Okay? This is the way we're going to be. Are you sure? This is the way we're going to be. Got it? Are you sure? Yes. This is the way we're going to be. Okay. Right? Right? Okay. Now, so let's get back to this. Let's look at this. So, cave of Adullam. So, that's significant, right? And the word Adullam actually uh, has a definition. It means a place of no significance. It means trivial, meaningless, unimportant, or insubstantial. Did I say that right? Insubstantial. There we go. So, in other words, a place of no significance. Now, that's pretty, in a sense, kind of ironic because back in the book of Acts, Again, in chapter 13, it says that, you know, when he let go of Saul, and the word says, uh, how did he word it? He said that he, uh, he raised up. I think it's like Acts 13 and 22, I believe it is. He raised up David as king. This boy was out, in the, out of the field, but if you look it up, the word raised up means literally raised up from obscurity. A place of insignificance. But he had a heart that was right. Come on, he didn't look the part. Come on, he was a good-looking kid. You know, he might have been, you know, they might have used him at Sears, you know, to, you know, maybe do underwork things. I don't know. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, you know, he, you know, he had good looks and, you know, kind of a nice-looking kid, and, you know, and, you know, baby face, you know, kind of, you know. But king, a giant killer, <laughs> raise up mighty men. Are you, what? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was raised up from obscurity, and it just seems ironic, doesn't it, that he ends up in a cave of obscurity. So in other words, we're going to all start from this place of no significance. We're just a bunch of nobodies. Now, to God, we're not, but we look around at each other and go, well, you got issues. And they look back at you and you go, Phew, you got issues. We look at each other and we smile and go, issues. Hey, what are we going to do? Well, let's become mighty men and women. Come on. Amen. We got, what a place to be, right? I mean, hey, good company. Somebody says, where are you going with this? Hey, serving a generation. If you're waiting for it all to be perfect, good luck with that. If you're waiting for everybody to be perfect, you know, ain't how it works. We have to make a decision to serve and to be a difference maker like David was. Because if you don't settle that on the inside, if you don't, if you don't have a heart that's after that, then you're, you're, you're only going to go so far with this. And you say, forget that mess. Nobody should have to put up with this. Nobody should have to, you know, wait around for, uh, for that person to get it. For that person to finally somehow jump on board like they're supposed to or whatever it is that we have an issue with. See, we don't, we're not, we don't really get that 
that's, 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 we're just not going to have that. It just ain't going to work that way. So you got to settle it. And I think that's why, you know, one of those main reasons that David, and I think there's multiple reasons, and we're finding that out through this series, but I think it's one of the main reasons that God said, that's a man after my own heart, because he's willing to do something with whatever I bring his way. He'll do something. He's not perfect. He didn't, he didn't necessarily look the part. I mean, I don't even know if the guy had biceps. I mean, you'd think it's at least necessary to take out a giant. No. I mean, it's just things that he just, it just didn't look right. It didn't, it didn't sound right. It didn't feel right. I mean, he probably had a, he might have had a squeaky voice because he hadn't reached puberty yet. I don't know. I'm not trying to give you all a bad picture of David, but I'm just saying, you know, everybody else. I mean, you can imagine when, the, when Saul came in to anoint the next man for king, nobody thought of David. Nobody. There wasn't one person in the family, not one, that I don't even know if mom even thought that. And mom loves everybody. Right? Nobody thought David. They left him out in the field when the prophet came. He goes through all of them. No, 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 no. God sent me here to anoint one of your sons. You're telling me these are all your sons? Oh, yeah. We do have one other son. The guy that's you know, out there, right? Insignificant. And then all of a sudden, here he is now, 400 people gathering to him in a cave of no significance. I think there it is. It's how it starts. And who comes to him? People, what, distressed, in debt, discontented, so maybe we should look at that just in case, because some of you might say, well, I ain't none of those. Well, in distress. It just The word distress here, you okay with this? Am I boring you tonight? All right. Distress. It just means a narrow place, but it means something confined or limited. And the next definition is disability, but in the sense of inability. Okay. So it's not saying like uh, disability in the sense that you can't walk or uh, you know, you're missing a limb or something like that. Um, but it's talking about inabilities. In other words, there, that there's, this group of people showed up, and, 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 and with, with what was ahead here, you'd look at them and say, there ain't nobody in here that's going to have what we need to make, you know, an army or somebody that could fend for themselves even. Right? Okay, so... So, in other words, we, we see, in a sense, it's, it's like they're handicapped physically, in a sense, because they, they don't have a lot of abilities. But obviously, somewhere along the line, that all got changed, because they all literally were an army of that size that was feared by every other army. We're talking an army of 10,000s feared this group. Nobody wanted to go against them. And they did things that were phenomenal, and, and nothing scared them. 
I mean, they'd sneak in your camp at night, and you're like, we can't even sleep because we don't know what those guys are going to do. Well, they went from having no abilities to having quite a few abilities. They went in debt, and it means just what it says. Okay, it means indebtedness or running into debt. Literally means under obligation monetarily. So they were all, ain't none of them had anything going for them financially. So it wasn't like they all had, had what it takes. They all just pulled their monies together and said, yeah, let's go buy us a several chariots and all kinds of great stuff, armament, you know, good guns and good bows. And I didn't have any of that either. Nobody had anything. Back to, I had nothing but a bunch of credit card debt. And everybody owed Sears and Macy's and, oh, yeah, gas cards. Uh, it's a mess. What do you got? Nothing. How about you? Nothing. You got anything on you? No. Well, I... I have some things back there, but I owe on it. So I just left it. It wasn't even that good. <laughs> Tires are falling off of it. <laughs> I let the bank have it back. <sighs> so you ain't got nothing? I ain't got nothing. So they're in debt. What's the last one? That they were discontented. So we got, we got guys that got you know, physical problems or at least inabilities or limitations. You got financial limitations. And discontented literally means bitter of soul, heaviness, displeased, disgruntled, angry. I mean, we're talking about a, a group that's got mental, uh, you know, some mental issues here. They're all here. And, and, and it could be all kinds of reasons, um, but chances are the reason they're following David is because they're all mad at the king, Right? And they could, maybe they all got mad because of what the king was trying to do to David, maybe. So they all got, they all got offenses. You ask them, how you doing? And you're five minutes later, you wish you would have never asked them. Are you hearing me? Come on, you know that. We've, we got, you know, people like that around us, loved ones, friends. And you, and you, you just know, you just never ask them how they're doing. You just don't do it, don't do it. Don't say, don't do all oh, you had to ask. Oh, God. Here comes, and then this happened, and this happened, and this stuff. Oh, my God, you should have been with me last week. Oh, my God, you see my wife, and oh, my kids. Oh. Somebody says, I know that guy. There's a lot of people like that. The point is, this ain't no different than you or me. Just people. He didn't get to pick his army. He just chose, made a decision, I'll serve him. He became captain over them. He made a decision to do that. Amen? And that's what we got to be. We got to be that way. Yeah, I don't I like how this goes or how that is, but it doesn't matter. This is what we do. So what do you do? We influence people. We make a difference. Somehow, some way, we speak into their life that makes them different. Well, they're not getting it. Well, neither did you at first. It took me a while too. See, 
there's a few people in here who got to actually see me my first time doing a yard, uh, doing a yard sale. <laughs> I was going to say yard sale. <laughs> doing a, a, a Bible study. Well, how did I get yard sale out of that? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> my first Bible studies, you know, it was like, yeah, this and this. They're like, well, I don't think that's what that means. Oh, yes, it does. No, it don't. One of my first Bible studies, nobody showed up. And it wasn't even at my house. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now, I'm telling you, you better know who you are. Okay, when you go to their house and they leave. <laughs> I, you think I'm joking. I'm serious. It absolutely happened. It was just me and Trudy then. We showed up and everybody didn't, couldn't come that night. And even the owners of the house said, listen, you go ahead and do the study. We, had, we have to go do something. <laughs> I had a few services that way, too. Anyway, <laughs> anyway praise the Lord. So I, I we were standing there, and, and me and Trudy looking at each other. We're just like, she said, what are you going to do? I says, sit down. I'm going to teach you. <laughs> yeah. And we just said, okay. So we just went after it, man. It was just me and her. Amen. I remember the first time, you know, doing, uh, doing uh, youth ministry, you know, and, uh, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know nothing dumb as a stump on a log. I mean, uh, you know, bump on a log and, and, you know, stump. I just didn't know nothing, man. I just, everything I said there, that, that service was that I just learned the day before. You know, it was like, God said this, we're going to do this. Okay, who's with me? Ah! You know, yeah! <laughs> and we grew up a youth group. We all grew together. Are you still with me? Hallelujah. I don't know that I'd change any of it. You know, sometimes I think, well, maybe I would have said that different. I remember the first time I took over the pastorate. And, uh, you know, and there was a whole story behind all of it, and I ain't going to go on all that, but I just remember taking over the pastorate, and, you know, I'd been doing youth ministry for about five years, and now all of a sudden I'm senior pastor. And... Uh, I didn't know what, you know, all I knew is that these several years being in this ministry, there were a lot of things I thought, we should do this different. We should do that different. And man, we should have more of this and more faith and more like this and preach it like this and, you know, change that. And so as soon as they said, you're the man, I go, hallelujah. All right, we're changing everything. Everybody who's with me, hey, and about half said, I'm out of here. I'm, oh, I'm out of here. So if there was something I could change, I might have changed that. <laughs> might have done that different. But the point is, you know, didn't do everything right, didn't say everything right, but made a decision. We're going to serve. We're going to do what we can to make a difference. Make a difference in a group of people make a difference in a community, make a difference in a, in a state, if we can, make a difference in a nation some way or another, do whatever we can to make a difference. So who's with me? Yeah. All right, I just thought I'd throw that in there anyway. Praise the Lord. So you got a purpose to do that, amen? All right, praise the Lord. Well, glory to God. All right, so I'll tell you what, let's do this. Um, 
running out of time, but let's do this. Matthew 5, let's go there. So, am I boring you today? Matthew 5, 13. It's a uh, common text, of course, but it's a, it's a word to all of us. This is Jesus talking. You are the salt of the earth. You are. You are. But if, you know, if the salt, you know, lose its flavor, its savor, its, one translation says usefulness. If you look it up, that's what it's talking about, usefulness or purpose. So you're the salt of the earth, but if you're going to lose your purpose, you don't know, you don't know what you, you lost your purpose. Well, part of your purpose is the fact you're the salt of the earth, which means you're here to bring a seasoning, a, be a difference maker, come on, a community changer, an atmosphere adjuster. I mean, when you walk in a room, it ought to change the atmosphere. Right? It ought to change things. You walk in a place of employment, it ought to change things. Right? Because that's, that's who you are. But you lose your purpose, you lose your, your saltiness, your savor, your, your usefulness, your, your, you know, your seasoning, however you want to word it, then it becomes good for nothing. And then, then it's just thrown out, it says, and it just becomes nothing but ground sterilizer. You know, salt, you know, it, it, that's a, sometimes that's what the places they just throw it on the ground. It just, it just kills the ground right wherever it's at. But you and me, we're not just, we're not called to be ground sterilizers. Everywhere we go, we just sterilize everything, make everything sterile, right? I mean, it just doesn't even sound good, does it? But what we are is we're called to season the earth. Somewhere along the line, everywhere we're at, you know, I mean, you know when salt's in there. Well, what do you think? Well... Mm, needs something. How about salt? Could be. Put salt. Oh, that's different. Is it enough? No, I think it's too much. Put a bunch of the other stuff in there now. Right. Come on, right? I mean, you know when, you know, you've got too much salt in there. You know it. It's like, whoo, too much salt. Right? Well, you know, we everywhere we go, it's like you're seasoning. You're going to make a difference. They know you're there, praise God. Now, we hope it's for the good. And I think in context, talking about for the good, right? I think we can all agree on that, right? I don't think we show up and everywhere we go, we just make it bad. Anyway, it is in good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, nobody in here is called to be ground sterilizer. You're called to be seasoning. You're the salt of the earth. You all have what it takes. And you can say, well, I just don't feel like I can do. Whoa, whoa, breaks. You might have come out of insignificance. Doesn't matter. And some of the people that have gone down in history as great men or women of God, even some people that maybe, I don't know whether, they knew God or not. They could have been as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. I mean, but, but they made a difference on, in their generation. Come on. Because they, had a, they, had, they knew they had purpose. And some of them people 
came out of nothing. They were nothing. Billy Graham? I think he got one to Jesus, I think, by a shoe salesman. I think is how it went down. If I'm wrong on that, I apologize. But I'm, I'm pretty sure he sits down to get a pair of shoes on, and a guy helping him with shoes introduces him to Jesus. Some young fellow, that young kid, he probably was a, a teenager or something or a kid or something. But, and then he goes on to become one of the greatest evangelists this planet has ever had. Smith Wigglesworth, a grumpy old, gruff plumber. You bend over, you can see his crack. <laughs> I could have left that out. <laughs> He's a plumber. <laughs> now, if you're a plumber, I apologize. Don't, don't go mad on me. You know what I mean. Sometimes a guy shows up and you go, dude, pull your pants up. Don't you wear suspenders or something? Right? Come on. I mean, we're talking about a grumpy old guy. I mean, he's so grumpy. His wife knew the Lord. She's trying to win, her, win Smith to the Lord. And she'd go off to some meetings and, and he'd lock her outside. Literally, lock his wife outside. You old badger, right? Locked his wife outside. You know what she did? She just honkered down right there because he wouldn't let her in. Honkered down right there, slept the night, and when he opened the door in the morning, she got up and made him breakfast. Yeah. Insignificance. God used her, won that man to Christ. That man goes down in history. What did the man raise, what, 21 people from the dead? <laughs> you know the Lord? No, well, you better. Yes, sir. Right? You want healed or not? Yes. Be healed. They're well and whole. Miracles after miracles after miracles. Raised the dead, even one case, of them, I think it happened more than once. I mean, he raised his wife from the dead like twice. And she finally said, Smith, knock it off. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about this old guy, right? This grumpy old, you know, right? And he, he uh, one guy, he literally pulled him off the gurney, slammed him against the wall, said, live and not die. The guy slid down to the ground because he's dead. Picked him up. I said, live and not die. Now, most people say, <laughs> right? We all be out the door. Right? Nobody saw that, you know. <laughs> he grabbed, I said, live and not die. The man goes, okay, okay, okay. Nobody would ever thought that old grumpy plumber would have been anything but an old grumpy plumber. We can go on and on and on about people who came out of a place of insignificance, were raised up out of nothing, 
And all God's asking us to do is to just settle it in our heart. Be a difference maker. It ain't hard to say something to somebody. It ain't hard to, to reach out a helping hand or say a word, give them life, pray with them. Come on now. <clears throat> Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. It's on the hill for a reason. Somebody says, you know, you know, my walk in God is personal. It is personal, but it's never private. It's never private. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, right? Because that's not its purpose. But they put it on a lampstand because why? Because that's its purpose. And it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It brings glory to the Father. Amen. You think about this. It, that's, what, that's why David had a heart after his, because it, 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 it brought glory to God. God loves it when his kids are shining bright, doing things and making a difference. I just, I don't know. It just, to me, it's just hallelujah. Now, I have some statements. Are you okay with a few statements before I let you go? You know, because, um, you know, when you start looking at everything, you know, it always comes down to it's about making a difference. Because, I mean, you can even go to, I was thinking like Deuteronomy uh, 30, it says that, you know, make a choice. Choose life that you and your descendants, says you, that, you and your, that, you and your, that you and your descendants may live. So you're choosing life because why? Because you're an influencer. You're a difference maker. You make choices based on that. Still with me? First Timothy brings out that you're an example. And there's ways to make an example. The ways to do this. It isn't all complicated. But there's ways to, to be an example. And it goes down to the bottom of that, that chapter. And it says that, that you take heed to yourself for this reason. Because it not only brings salvation to your house. But to everybody else that hears you. Because the whole thing is about everything you do. This is a, to me, it's like, this is what I eat, drink, and sleep. It's about influence. It's about a sphere of influence. If we do this thing right, the sphere just keeps growing. You know, I go into, uh, you know, the prison even, and I'm thinking sometimes, and I'm thinking, what a group. And, and then, you know, you got... You know, maybe in a class, you got 30, 40, 50 guys sitting in there. You got a chapel service. You got 100 of them, whatever it is, but they're all in there. And, and, and you have to say, you know what? I'm not seeing, you know, 50 guys. I'm not seeing 100 guys. I'm not seeing 10 guys. I'm, I'm seeing 10 families. I'm seeing 50 families. I'm seeing 100 families. If I can touch them in a right way, That'll affect them for life. It imprints and impacts and influences their life. They're going to go from here whether I never see them again. And many of them, that's the case. I never see them again. But there they go. And your hope is that I never have to see them again, at least in that setting. Come on. But that they go out and somehow or another, they imprint, impact, influence another and they do another which does another which does another 
another Billy Graham, another Smith Wigglesworth. Come on, somebody. And we can go on and on and on of people who over the years have done great things. And, and even though they came from insignificant places, they become great because they had a heart to just impact, to imprint, to influence, to somehow make a difference in somebody's life. Dumb things with VBS. It was all about that. CRs, all about that. Come on, somebody. Rodeo Bible Camp, all about that. Our gals that go into the nursing home. See, what, 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 one of those, they, what this person was 94 years old and decided to give their heart to the Lord. Dude, that's cutting her tight. <laughs> but she knew enough by the Spirit of God that she was supposed to stick with this till it happens with him. She followed it, did it, it happened. Wasn't long, the man went home. Hallelujah. She goes in there. We have one, one of her testimonies. A young man was in there based on some physical thing, and he was, he was basically wheel, wheelchair bound. She knew in her heart, I got to pray for this man. He's going to be raised up. She prayed for that man. Amen. He received Amen. They came back next time to say, where is he? Oh, no, he's gone. Gone, what do you mean? No, I mean, like, he, he, he walked out. Woo! Right? Oh, you mean God would use a little old gal like Shirley? I don't know that she's got any muscles. Can she take out a giant? Obviously, she can. Are you see what I'm saying? We can go on and on and on about people, people that we all know, people that are around us every day that go and they make a difference. They don't, they don't, maybe they're not everywhere and, and maybe they're not all over the map and, and maybe, they're, maybe they're just doing something right here and maybe they got a little group of kids that every week that's, what, that's who they're affecting. But they're affecting them. So anyway, I thought I said I'd finish with a couple statements, so let me give them to you. Whew. Uh, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Forgetting the ultimate enslaves us to the immediate. So in other words, you forget your purpose. See, forgetting our purpose enslaves you to the pressure of the moment. Are you still with me? See, if you, if you forget what you're called to do, you get caught up just chasing your tail. That's what happens. And pretty soon, all you're living now is a mundane life, no different than the next guy, when all along you got purpose. You start making a difference to reach out and change lives, and all of a sudden, you'll be that, that sphere. See, you're guaranteed that if that's your heart and that's what you do, you're guaranteed by the word the sphere of influence will increase. That's a promise. You say, well, I, I can't. Yes, you can. You'd be amazed at what you can do. But you got to start somewhere. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't live your life by accident, right? But live with purpose, right? Okay, here's the same, same kind of stuff here. But 
Forgetting the eternal enslaves us to the temporary. In fact, did I give you 2 Corinthians? Did I throw that on the list? If you can maybe toss it up there. It just says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, but the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay? So if, you're all, if, you, if you forget about your eternal, in other words, the purpose, come on, then you get enslaved by just the temporary. See, another way of saying it, with this text anyway, you could say, you, if, you, if, you lose, if you lose sight of the unseen, come on, if you lose sight of the unseen, you get, you get enslaved by the seen. All right? Now, I just thought it was worthy of throwing that out there, and I appreciate you letting me do that. But I just, I feel like that's what happens a lot of times. We get, in our, we get caught up in our little life, and a year goes by, and another year goes by. And another year goes by, another year goes by, another year goes by. Pretty soon, you know, you get a little older, them years go quick. And you're thinking, I'm how old? Oh, my wife the other day, right? Okay, I, I got a rat on her. She's not in here, so I'd be all right. Um, so she's talking to somebody, and they're saying, they're saying uh, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm 50, uh, I think they said something like 55 years old. And, and she, she says, she, oh, yeah, she says, yeah, I know, and. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself the whole time I'm listening to her talking, I'm thinking, honey, that's, what, that's how old you are. Right? I mean, you know, she's like she, she was thinking of herself, you know, she's not that old. I always lie about it, but, but she, she usually tells the truth. But, you know, anyway, the point is she was sitting there talking to this person, and she just had lost sight. Honey, I, I got done, she got done talking. I says, honey, you are 55. She goes, oh, that's right. I just lied to that woman. <laughs> she didn't mean to, but she just, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, we don't think about it, but, but if you don't watch it, pretty soon life just spins by, and next thing you know, it's all just about this little, the whole time you got, whew, you could do so much. And so my heart, my passion, and I think you've all caught that, um, is, is about imprinting in your life, implanting, influencing your life to where you can be a difference everywhere you go. And I don't care if we're in Redmond, Oregon. Or you're from Terrebonne or Prineville or uh, uh, Crooked River Ranch, Sisters, uh, Culver, who did I forget? Powell Butte, oh, yeah, that's where I live. And, huh? Tumalo. Huh? Lapine, even people from Lapine, yes, yes. It's amazing what God could do with us because we're all hanging out here in the cave of Adula, being raised up as mighty men and women. Did you get something today? Yeah. Give the Lord a praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Appreciate it. Give me a little... Allow me to have a little liberty with some of that and have a little fun with it. So appreciate that. Hallelujah. God's good. Hallelujah. You know, you think about what David, you know, I, I can imagine, you know, that boy, I bet he was intense. What do you think? I bet he was. I bet he was pretty gung-ho, and that's why everybody followed him. You know, that's why they all wanted to be on his team, you know. So I, I think that's pretty cool. So I think there's, uh, you know, definitely things of, of David. I, I, I might, I don't know if I got, I might have another uh, week on David here. Maybe I'll look at some of the things there, maybe. 
Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we'll, we'll just, as this uh, Wednesdays move on, uh, you know, we'll bring out some of the different other patriarchs of faith and the great things that they did and, and what we can learn and glean from that. So hopefully so far you're getting something out of this. Amen. And uh, being challenged to, uh, you know, step up and, in this case, be a difference maker. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, you difference maker, you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we give praise and glory and honor. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this, uh, these principles here today. Thank you for a people that had an ear to hear and a heart to receive. And Father, I give you praise. This, uh, this people, praise God, here today, or those listening or watching by internet, Lord, are difference makers. That everywhere they go, they make a difference, praise God. And that their sphere of influence continues to grow. Hallelujah. And expand, praise God, as they step out and move forward in it. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a praise. Praise God. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you, praising God.